Hello all, hello all, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. I am your host, Officer Antoine Thomas. That's me. We're going live. I see, I know you see. You're like, hey, I got another person up there. Some already know who this gentleman is. Don't spoil it yet. I want to wait because I want to do this awesome intro. Listen, if you listened to the previous and the first ever episode live podcast with season four, you know that uh, I'm here now on camera. Now you can see me. I know y'all have been waiting. You're like, I got to see this guy. I see a little picture of him. Is he ugly? Is he cute? Well, I think I'm cute. But just in case you've never seen me before, I am live now on Real Talk. I am your host, Officer Antoine Thomas. If you have not listened to the last episode, please do so. It was titled, um, because we got to talk about New York. It's crazy. It was out of hand. The heinous crimes that are taking place, okay, has gotten out of hand in New York. You can hear uh, about some of the latest uh, incidents. Nothing exciting about it, but you can hear some of the latest incidents that's taking place in New York. I talked about uh, Mayor Eric Adams and how well he is not uh, performing as the mayor, being a former New York police officer. So go back and listen. You're going to love to hear what I had to say there. Uh, like I said, on this show, we spit the facts and we leave it there. But today, I have a very special guest with you, uh, well, with us today on Real Talk, okay? Now, you may be asking, who is the gentleman sitting on the right side of Antoine? I'm going to tell you. Give me one moment. This gentleman is a former Raleigh police officer, so he is a Raleigh police officer, was. He was a police officer, um, so it fits our show. He is also an entrepreneur, okay? He owns a couple things that we're going to talk about shortly, and his latest uh, adventure is a podcast host who he's tearing up the stream uh, all over the country with tons of... Um, views, tons of subscribers to his YouTube channel. And now this man is writing a book. And I want to say that title so bad, but I'm going to let him do it. Real Talk family, would you please welcome Eric Tanzi to Real Talk. Eric, man, how you doing today, bro? I'm sorry. That was a lot. I had to get it out. No, I love it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> I'm glad you're it's on the show, man. I'm it's excited. Good to see you, man. I, uh, I, uh, I I blocked out like my whole my whole afternoon for this. I said uh, I'm going on a podcast after two o'clock. I don't know when after two, but don't put anything on my schedule between two and five. So here we are, baby. Man, I appreciate you for doing this. This is very big, and uh, of course your listeners are listening in, and you've helped promote this particular show. Um, and and I appreciate you because it's befitting. You know, in the real talk, we we say these famous words: we were never defund the police. But we will always defend the police. We'll talk about the good and the bad of policing. But Eric, really quick, I want you, if you don't mind, take as long as you need to let the audience know who you are, where you came from, where you've been, and where you're going. How about that? Oh, goodness. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> I guess, like, in short, I am a C student. I was a mediocre cop, but a passionate lover. Oh, there you go, man. So that's the short story. Look at uh, this guy. No, but, uh, <laughs> I, I started out with a, you know, a, a military career. Went, um, dropped, you know, I finished high school in the early uh, 2000s, uh, 2002, went straight into the military and did a couple combat rotations. Actually, I fell in love with wine 
while I was in the military, I started studying wine more as a hobby. I was serving in a special operations capacity uh, and my business partner who is still currently special operations and uh, together between training and deploying uh, our thing, favorite thing to do was just to go to different wine tastings and wine classes. And uh, over the course of about 10 years, I decided I was going to get out of the military and I was going to become a wine salesman. So I did about seven years in the army, got out, tried my hand at being a wine salesman, realized I was a terrible salesman. <laughs> and so I did the only other thing a C student at the time without a college education could do. And that was become a cop. So I became a Raleigh police officer. And then I found myself working one of the hardest beats and one of the hardest districts in all of Raleigh. And uh, I knew that I wasn't going to be a cop forever because my, my passion was more on the beverage side and hospitality. I liked service. I liked being a servant to others. Uh, but I, I like to serve people and capacity to make them happy. But because of my military background and just because of my high energy, um, I found myself working in the inner city of Raleigh. And I did that uh, faithfully for seven years until I was fired for opening up the distillery, which was my lifeline goal. And um, so I became officer of the year, fired in the same <laughs> year, and that was for, for opening up a distillery. And, uh, you know, it kind of made national headline news and uh, a, couple, a podcast uh, a real a real famous podcast network called the Drinking Bros Podcast Network, which has millions of subscribers, uh, had me on their show as a guest. And I guess they thought it was funny. And about a year later, they gave me my own show. And I, it was a sports show, but I and I hated sports. But it was really awesome. I got to hang out with pro athletes every weekend. I was in a different town every weekend. It was so much fun. I got to go to a baseball game with Chuck Liddell. Wow. I got to go golfing with uh, Kid Rock. I, you know, I, I went to football games and, and baseball games and got to hang out with, you know, Miss Muhammad Ali. And, and then I went to a fight with Chuck Liddell. And, you know, it, it was just an amazing a year, even though I didn't like sports, uh, just meeting all those amazing people. <laughs> and then they gave me a police show with Mike the Cop, the famous Mike the Cop, who has millions of subscribers. And they put the two of us together. We started a show called Failure to Stop. And I think we're just over 1.8 million downloads at this point. And we're the number one show where police meet society and culture, and it's just been a blast. And now I get to uh, now I get to be on shows like this and just kind of hang out with people and talk for a living. So it's been a really, really cool, uh, a really cool adventure so far. Man, you summed it all up, and you really, again, you could take hours to tell your story, man. And and the amazing thing about it is that uh, I always say this. I said it uh, backstage just a minute ago that I never know what God's taking us. I don't know where this podcast is going. I know you didn't know what was going to happen once you left Raleigh Police, but look at the um, way things have exploded for you, man. You are a public figure now. You didn't even ask for it. God gave it to you. You know what to do with it. Very humble guy. Um, and I think the sky's the limit for you, bro. And this is just the beginning. And I support your endeavors because being a military veteran yourself, not me, and being a police veteran, um, man, you have really sacrificed a lot. And now you get to have fun doing what you, believe it or not, what you should be doing, man. Your voice says radio, bro. I don't know if you heard that. I don't know if I've told you that, but your voice is radio broadcasting voice, my friend. It's got to be heard. Oh, thank you. Thank we you. appreciate thank you. what you're doing. I like doing, I like doing like podcasts, um, where it's not like when I did the sports show, I had to get into a character because, you know, it was a college tailgate thing and I'm 38 years old. And so I had to like really be somebody else. Yeah. And I always enjoy, you know, that's why I enjoy the failure to stop podcast. I get to be myself, but 
Yeah, I, I like to just be this and just be this guy and not the welcome to Drinking Bro Sports Tailgate <laughs> Legends. You know, it's, it's fun to just sit back and chill. Well, you know, you have to put on what we call a little bit of an air to do that. But what naturally comes out is failure to stop because I want you to tell the audience a little bit about failure to stop. And uh, believe it or not, um, everyone, every show on obviously on podcast live stream is not a political show. And Eric's show and Mike the Cop is not a political show. They deal with real life cases that has happened. They do a lot of cold cases. I believe that's what we'll call it. You'll be able to expound on it. But they actually break through cases on a Friday. I believe you dedicate Fridays to that. To go through a case, you yeah, have a yeah. professional. Go ahead and tell the audience about that a little bit, so they can come yeah, on I mean, in. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a show mainly for first responders. We've we've get a lot of people that aren't first responders on the channel. It's really cool. But Monday we do police related news. Um, it's called Off the Cuff with Mike the Cop and um, uh, He Big Daddy, two former uh, police officers who break down the police news. They scour the dark web for all the darkest, dumbest police stories, and they they break them down. Um, Tuesdays is True Crime with myself and Andrea Uplate. That show's called Night Shift. These are all on the Failure to Stop podcast. So if you just type in Failure to Stop, you can find all these shows. And then um, we do uh, Thursdays. It's called Last Call, where we talk about everything other than the job. So uh, giving you something else to talk about over the weekend other than dead babies and domestic violence. And then Fridays is our big case breakdown, which is kind of what we got famous for. And then we also do, we just kind of started our new YouTube channel. Um, which is failure to stop. I think we're up to just over 6K on that right now. But um, awesome. Drew Breezy out of Tampa, Florida is helping manage that and just bringing loads of content uh, about four times a week. So a lot going on with the Failure to Stop podcast network. Just giving cops something else to listen to other than the radio, but not be inundated with just cop talk. You know, so we do a lot of shenanigans and it's a, it's a lot of funny stuff and irreverence. And the whole nine yards, you know. The whole nine yards, man. At the end of the day, real talk, family. Now you see why I have Eric on the show, not just because that he meets the standards of being a former police officer, but, man, this guy's uh, he's high profile. And, and for him to be on the real talk, man, that is a big deal. Thank you again, Eric. Man, if you're done with your bio, man, you listen, again, there's plenty of room for you to say more. If you're tired of talking about yourself, we're going to dive into what we came to talk about on That's the Real Talk, man. baby. Well, look, man. This is Real Talk. This is Real Talk, man. We lay everything on the line here. We only speak facts. And today we're going to give a little bit to the audience here. We're combining uh, failure to stop with Real Talk, okay? And anybody's failing to listen, you need to turn your volume up, okay? How about that? Look, Eric, let's get into some questions, man, because the audience wants to know... Um, Basically, you talked about it, and I didn't want to know, diving deep into it. What in the world, man? This guy went from the military. Oh, hey, hey. And by the way, man, we have something in common. I don't know if I mentioned it, man. I'm, I'm a former chef, six and a half years, man. So you were you were a sommelier, man. I was I was working in the kitchen. You were dealing with the wine. I was the one behind the scenes taking the wine and mixing it together and creating wonderful dishes, Bernays sauces and all uh, things alike, my friend. So we have a lot in common. Yeah, I love it. Former of uh, hospitality industry, police officers, now podcasts. What else is next? You know that's what I mean? That's probably what makes you a good cop, you know? Like, anybody that works in the service industry, restaurant, you know, whatever, chef, any 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 kind of, you know, hotel hospitality. I mean, if you can handle that, you can handle being a cop. You can handle being a cop. Do you ever see yourself going back someday, man? To the beat? No, uh-uh. No. No, no. no He's never. done. No. 
can't I can't say that uh, you know right now life's all about my kids. It's all about my my family life and uh, you know um, just being there, being a cheerleader. Really, uh, the police don't really have a, a great voice right now, and so I think that's why failure to stop kind of did well. I don't think anybody expected, especially cops. I don't think anybody expected anybody to come out and just say exactly what cops are thinking. And when I say cops, I mean like the real cops, like street cops, not like politician cops who are trying to get promoted. It's those guys that are grinding day in and day out that just haven't had a voice in the last three years and have somebody that's reasonable to break down these cases, big bird to cookie monster style without using big words, without being afraid of getting sued or whatever. And I think when we came on and we broke down you know, like we had, we had started Mattingly, the, the guy who killed Brianna Taylor. We had him come on the show for two and a half hours, you know, and, and just the way we're able to talk to people and the way we're able to kind of articulate how things are done and why things are done. It gives the police a voice. It's what the cops want to yeah. say. It's like, look, this is what happens on these crime scenes. And this is why we do these things. Nobody else is saying that. Yeah. So yeah. I like being that guy for uh, the hard workers out there. Man, I love it, brother. And listen, Appreciate you for hooking me and old Dexter Pitts up, man. That's another great brother who I look forward to having on the show. He's watching. I know he's on the beat right now making things happen in uh, St. Louis, but appreciate that connect. Uh, he is another like-minded brother who has a wonderful, amazing podcast. He deals with more of those stories as well about policing and how he started him being into the world of politics as well. Man, we I'm I'm just saying, Eric, I don't know the sky's the limit, man. God has taken us great places. And the thing I like about what all of us are doing, it is not something made up. Neither is it something that we're trying to promote to start our own narrative. We're actually trying to get in there and spread the truth. And that's what we're doing. That's what Real Talk's all about, man. We get in there and talk about the real nitty gritty of it, you know. And then you got the failure to stop. Y'all just coming on in and letting people know this is what I dealt with on the streets, bringing in cases Pitts is out there telling real life stories. Uh, it is awesome thing. Shout out to law enforcement today, Eric Tens. I've joined that uh, syndicated podcast. We hadn't talked about that uh, radio oh, network. Cool. And so John J. Wiley, thanks for adding me to the list of great podcasters. But look, that's enough of that, man. Let's get into it. I'm ready to dive, as I say, into it. So Eric, let's talk about this um, idea, this crazy idea you had to, uh, as you were a Raleigh police officer. I'm thinking, you know, some morning or some night shift, you you just were riding down South Raleigh, Southeast Raleigh. You say, you know what? I want to start a rum business. And I don't know if you saw like tropical trees. You saw like the Jamaican or the Cuban rum, Bacardi. What made you say, I'm going to start my own distillery? Talk to me about that, man. It's some bomb through a bottle of bootlegger at me class <laughs> bottle of bootlegger no I'm just kidding I'm just joking no I uh no like I said so I broke my leg fighting a murder suspect on pool road wow um and his name was Maxwell Mitchell he committed suicide um shortly after breaking my leg uh he'd hmm. done like 14 years in prison for trying to murder a woman and then he got out of jail and 10 days later he went back and tried to murder the same woman by bludgeoning her to death with a uh, bed um, I don't think it worked. I don't think she ended up dying. I think she was just in serious, serious condition for a while. And I, I hope she pulled through. Um, I didn't, I guess I really didn't follow up because he committed suicide and the case was over, but I uh, got in a short car chase with him and hit my partner head on at 57 miles an hour. And I got out of my truck. And when I tackled him, I went to throw him to the ground. He was a big boy. My leg stayed one way while my torso twisted the other one. And uh, so I ended up being in a cast and in a wheelchair for a little while. 
And while I was in the cast in the wheelchair, my wife it was like, listen, you're not, you're not just going to lay around this house and uh, be a sad little baby all day long. Like you need to find something to do. I'm going grocery shopping. And when I get home, you've got to find some kind of hobby. I don't care if it's like building Legos or <laughs> arts and crafts. I don't care what it is, but you're going to have something. So I was like, gotcha. And she left and I was probably pretty high on narcotics legally, um, legally high on narcotics because I had a broken leg. So they gave me painkillers. And uh, I was just laying there and I thought like, okay, well, I've always wanted to pursue this wine thing. And, I, and there's a test called the certified specialist wine exam. It's got like a 70% fail rate on the first time try. So it's very difficult exam. And, um, and I paid the money to do it. My wife came home. She was like, did you find something? And I was like, I did. And I said, I enrolled myself to the society of wine educators at the Gallo wine Academy. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I was like, and she's like, how much did that cost? And I told her, and she was like, you realize like, that's like, you're going to school now. Like you're good. It's like, this is like getting a two year degree. Like you are now like enrolled <laughs> in a college basically. And I was like, yeah, awesome, right. And she was like, are you insane? Like, how are you going to do this? And, um, you know, I, because I spent the money I had to pass, but I spent two years after that, just studying, um, every day, man, I would volunteer for every homicide. I would volunteer for every crime scene. And they, the rumors started getting around that I was like real messed up. They were like, dude, this guy's kind of crazy. He wants to go sit on all these dead bodies. I mean, if there's a suicide, he's there and he volunteers to stay with the body. While and so finally somebody came to me and they're like, dude, why do you volunteer to just sit with these dead people? Like every shift. And I was like, dude, because I can, it gives me all the time in the world to study. So I could study all my flashcards and it was crazy. So I went to take the exam and the exam was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I didn't know the first 10 questions of the exam. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to fail this exam. And I thought nobody had studied harder than I did. I, I, I was like, dude, I thought I was going to get a hundred because I, I studied hours and hours and hours a day for this thing. And I just had to take myself back to each crime scene. I was like, okay, that was on Martin street. The dude was shot like three times in the chest and I was studying Burgundy and we were talking about the Southern half of Burgundy. So we, you know, we were talking about Beaujolais and, and so then I was just like, I would work my way through each test question based on what crime scene I was sitting at. It was really wild how like the brain works in that scenario. So I passed the test, um, still maintaining a C proficiency. And I started teaching wine classes on the side and I met a lawyer and he and I became wine buddies. And then one night he was like, dude, you're so passionate about this stuff. You should really start your own thing. You should, like you should be in the wine industry somehow. And um, we started talking about making spirits and uh, like a wine-based spirit and uh, that was it man I went home I told my wife I was like I'm gonna open up my own distillery and she laughed and uh, and that was it I went you know every day after that it was just writing business plan um, trying to figure out where to get the money and start that grind for three years before I got it open man that is that's a heck of a story you never shared that one with me <laughs> you know look morbid mindsets of cops People, you know, even the police officers thought you were crazy, but you were actually smart, man. You're like, look, ain't nobody going to be talking to me. Definitely this dead body. You know, y'all do your thing. You know, come in the crime scene. Let me write your name down, blah, blah, blah. But I got to get this studying, man. That is a crazy, sick story. But that is the yeah. mind. For people who don't know, that is the mind of cops. We think the total opposite from a civilian. But it's all good. It's all good. Now, look, man. I got to ask you, so you told me and you told the Real Talk family that you were eventually 
fired. And I believe you mentioned the council, right? You got fired from Raleigh Police Department. Uh, now, did they fire you because they thought you were a psychopath? You know, you love to, you know, sit there and babysit dead bodies. Did they fire you because they thought you, you know, hey, these painkillers is too much. What made you get fired from the Raleigh? I mean, come on. the It's like the city, you know, like the upper echelon of policing in North Carolina. Raleigh police. Yeah. What happened, man? I was the first one to get fired in 20 years, actually. So No, stop um, kidding. They had, yeah, they had, they had a good thing going. Like, I don't think anybody's, like, everybody's resigned. Like, since the early 90s, nobody's ever been fired. What? So, uh, they, they all resigned before they get fired. So I was the first <laughs> one to go through the whole thing and not get fired. Um, no, I mean, honestly, I did the painkiller thing for, like, 13 days. And I never took another painkiller again. Um, so that wasn't the issue. And... Uh, Oh, I, and I, and I was a cop, you know, I got my sommelier diploma and my certified specialist wine diploma probably in 2013 or 14. I didn't get fired until 2019. So, um, but I got fired, um, because they thought that it was unbecoming of an officer to own a distillery and they didn't really come up with that until the third day. So like when I first started working on the distillery, I had already checked with off duty. We, we'd come through the policy the, the policy at the time said you couldn't sell or distribute alcohol. Then they changed the policy once they found out that I was trying to start my own distillery. They changed the policy to you can't sell, distribute, or handle alcohol. But because they had already, because I had already kind of put in that I was doing that, they thought I would be grandfathered in from that part of the policy. Because they literally just made that up. Because when I wanted to open up a distillery, I wasn't going to manu- I was only going to be manufacturing. I wasn't selling it because the ABC commission sells it and I wasn't distributing it. The ABC commission distributes it. So I wasn't breaking any policy at that time. Well, when you add the word handle in there, well, that means you can't even work at a gas station if you're a Raleigh police officer because you would have to handle alcohol. I mean, if somebody comes to the counter and wants, if you were stocking beer at at Food Lion, you can't do that as a cop, which I think is a major violation of basically your civil rights at that point. I mean, to tell a police officer you can't work in a grocery store or that he can't, you know, it's just, you know, I had a real problem with that. And, and I thought, like, it's not, perception isn't reality. And I understand why police departments, you know, we have changed. We have now slowly gone, since Ferguson really is when it really started, is that we never went by perception as reality. Meaning that if you uh, went to a murder scene and there's a, a man standing over a woman and he's covered in blood and she's dead with a knife in her chest, you don't get to arrest that dude and lock him up in the jail for murder because it looks like he murdered his wife. No, you interview him. You take him to the detective station. You find out that he did murder her, that he gave her CPR. And that's why he's got blood all over himself. You know, perception isn't reality. And we don't, we don't police off of perception. We police off of what reality is, but now it's more or less like the, the profession has gone. What is the perception? Let's go. And I, I think Uvalde is a great case. Everybody blew up that, that cop, overnight for being on his cell phone in the hallway and, I, and just so many cops as well especially younger cops were just shit were just hammering this guy for being on his cell phone come to find out he was on his cell phone because his wife and daughter were dead in the other room um which i can't think of a better reason to be on a cell phone in a time like that you know what i'm saying so you know perception isn't reality and so for them the perception was that i would be handling and distributing and doing all these things against policy but the reality was I wouldn't be doing any of those things because we have an ABC commission in place and you can't do those things. Even if I wanted to distribute my own alcohol and I wanted 
to um, go door to door to sell it. I couldn't because it's, it's all based on the ABC. So I wasn't, you know, breaking any policies. Three days before I opened this distillery, three days they bring me into the city manager's office. And they're like, yo, we're not good with this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, we're just not good with it. You can't do it. And I was like, you know, eat me. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm already, I've already got like my whole life. I got three years of money into this thing. You know, I can't back out now. And they were like, you can quit or you'll be fired. And I was like, well, I guess you'll just fire me then. <laughs> just fire me. I might be able to get, you know, a little bit of what we call extra cash to get this distillery really popping. No. But uh, <laughs> but at the end you of the know, day, so like when I went through when I went through the firing process, she's now the city manager. She was the assistant city manager. Literally, like my little hearing, she fell asleep. Oh wow! During the hearing, so like all these hearings are all a big joke when it comes. I mean, these people they they're just they're all clowns, and they you know what they're the one. And I and I say this across the globe too. Police aren't the the police aren't ruining the profession. It's the politics in police that are brewing. It's political policemen that are poisoning the profession. And what I mean by that is there are more, we have more police that want to be politicians than we have police officers that want to be police. It's like having too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Yeah. Every cop that joins the departments these days want to be something other than a real cop. They want to be a community police officer. These kids coming out of college, they want to be a doggy police officer. They want to be a horsey police officer. They want to be... Um, and all they do is, is the minute they get boots on the ground is how do I get to the next level? None of them come into the profession saying, I want to be a cop. And I want to be a damn good cop. I want to be the cop that sees the car on the side of the road that needs a change of a flat tire. I pull over to help them. We don't have any more cops like that anymore. Yeah. And, and we, as, as senior police officers, you know, good, you know, senior officers, they've already done that. So they actually think it's kind of cool because they ain't going to change any damn tires. So they're kind of rubbing that off on these new younger generation cops. But these new younger generation cops, they don't have anything in mind other than how do they climb the political ladder to get to the highest rank that they can in that police department. And they're the ones that are poisoning the police department because they move up the ranks pretty fast because <coughs> they play the game. And then the street cop who's actually doing the real work is the one being judged by these dudes that never did any of the work. Yeah. Because they only spent two years on the line before they put in being a school resource officer. And then they went from being a school resource officer to being a, uh, a community police officer. And then they went from being a community police officer to working in the chief's office. So they never, ever knew what it was like to be a real street cop. Which is why I say that, you know, I think at every position, you should have to go back to being a street cop before you can leave. So it's like you're a street cop for five years and you go to detective. But then when you want to make sergeant, you got to go back to the line for a year. Right. And then you go to sergeant. And then when you go from the sergeant to, you know, lieutenant, you got to go back to the line for a year. That way you don't lose touch with the reality of what the line's really like. Agreed. And that's still happening today, Tansy. See, the deal is, man, they said, look, we got to find a way to get Tansy out of here, man. This guy is going to just keep excelling. He's going to, you know, he's going to uh, tip over the apple cart when he becomes that sergeant. He's going to be the one to say, you know what, my man ain't doing that. that that's, that's not adequate it's not smart they don't want those jokes on them because i never would have put in for sergeant never i never would have put in for sergeant i wouldn't have put in for detective right i wanted to be a street cop i didn't want to leave being a street cop and i think i would have either been a street cop or a swat cop until the day i uh retired i didn't have any other aspirations of doing anything 
I loved working my beat. I loved the human beings on my beat. I policed my beat with empathy. I, I did all the things that they tell you to do in the academy, but then they don't teach you the minute you graduate the academy. Because once you graduate the academy, you see what it's really all about. It's oh, yeah. how do I duck and dive calls? How do I not go take care of the dude with the flat tire? How do I not get into trouble? How, you know, it's it just everybody is playing the game. And that's not being a cop. You shouldn't play the game to be a cop. You should just wake up every day, say your morning prayer, and say, like, Lord God, whatever the call is, and I put that in air quotes, the call, whatever the call is, help me to be the guy that answers it. And the call could be a flat tire on the side of the road. You never know. You could change the course, the trajectory of somebody's life simply by changing your tire and not putting that stuff on social media. Not yeah. saying, like, look at me. I just want to say all, you know, that I'm such a good cop because I – got out and I changed somebody's tire. No, it's the cop that gets out and just changes the tire and shuts the F up about it. That's what we need more of. Man. Man, you have really got it. The real talk. You real got, you know, I don't know if the real talk bug has got gotten over up. Listen, I like to hear it. No, this is Eric all day long. He spits facts, but you know what? At the end of the day, he hits him where it's hard, and uh, at the end of the day, I just got to say it's the truth. So a lot of people don't like to hear the truth. We hear the passionate uh, cry in your voice, man. You still have that woof inside of you as it pertains to law enforcement, man. We hate that you're gone, but uh, you have been able to hopefully to impart some uh, good Eric Tansy lessons on some cops who are now uh, what we want to call now veterans who are able to spread that message. But Tansy, did you think, man, you were going to be able to juggle both, being that rum distillerer, okay, and being that Raleigh police officer? Did you think those two was going to be able to connect together like a, a hand, a praying hand? Come on, man. Did you, did you see it coming? Were you blindsided? What was uh, the yeah. deal? I thought, I honestly thought I could. Um, I, I had hired a distiller, so he was going to be doing all the distillation and stuff. Um, really, my, my part of the business was going to be pretty small. Uh, I would just be the taster, kind of the hype man, um, and kind of the promotional guy. And everything else would be kind of taken care of. So it would have been very easy to be a cop and kind of manage that. Because I had put people in place far before I got fired that were way smarter than me anyway. So, I mean, we had a, C, uh, a CPA that's way smarter than me to handle the financing portion of it. We had a distiller and a fermentation scientist that knew way more than me. We had, uh, you know, a bottling, a female who knew how to bottle real well. And we weren't a bar. We were just <coughs> a manufacturing facility. So I could just get off of work and go put bottles in a box and tape it up and tape it down to a pallet. And that was my job, you know, like quality control and making sure things get shipped out the door in time. And so it, w it wasn't really I didn't really feel like it was going to be that big of a deal. Um and I also thought that I was at a point in my career where the job was pretty comfortable. I was super physically fit. I was, you know, uh, proficient where I needed to be proficient. And I knew everybody on my beat and I knew how to manage my beat. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I was an FTO, um, not because I wanted to be one, but because they, they made me be one. And so, uh, you know, I always had rookies with me to, to do a lot of the caseload there. And I knew I wasn't putting in for any promotions. So I thought I could juggle both, to be honest with you. Well, you thought, man, you thought. Look, I, I remember the time I had some buddies, man. They um, actually one owned a nightclub. He was trying to expand brand new. They said, hey, man, you ought to go into business with us. I said, man, that's against, you know, some hardcore, you know, deals as it pertains to my religion, also policing. They said, man, you can't do that, man. I said, 
I'm a cop, man. Number one, you're not going to let me have any stakes in the nightclub. Now, again, I was just thinking dollar signs there, but I thought about all the things that would come with a nightclub, you know, uh, especially they're going to be doing this hip hop deal. You know what I mean? And it was going to be, you know, some sh and you worked some of those clubs, you know, so you had those nightclubs where there's going to be some shootings and all. And the God forbid some way some some victim, you know, gets a hold of who's all in charge of that nightclub, who owns portions of it. My name pops up, police officer. Man, it would have been hell to pay. So I'm just like, man, how did, I'm sitting there going, man, Tansy, my boy Tansy really didn't know that that was going to go down that way. But you know what, man? You didn't see it coming. You were blindsided. Uh, hey, it happens, man. It's well, like I, a train. Know, it wasn't a nightclub. It was just a manufacturing facility. There was no nightclub. There was no bar. I mean, it's literally... A place that puts rum into a bottle and then the corks go in the bottle and the bottle goes out to the ABC stores and then it gets shipped out. So there was no hanging out. It wouldn't be people in and out. There's really no way to get in trouble owning a distillery. Of course, now it is a bar and now I do have um, a bar. So, I mean, we close our distillery at 10 p.m. So uh, we've never had to throw anybody out. We've never had to call the police. Um, well, that's not true. We had a dog night one night and somebody got bit in the hand. Oh, imagine that. Dog, and, and so we did a police report because they got bit in the hand. But, um, uh, but that's that's the only time that we've ever had uh, an, an, an issue. So now there was no nightclub, there was no bar, uh, you know. Um, there was tastings and tours on Saturdays, which you know we, you can't really get in trouble with that because you're drinking a quarter ounce taste. So again, the perception is in their eyes a distillery is a nightclub, and if they were real investigators or real cops, um, they would know better not to go on perception, and they would have just called me in and said like, "What is a distillery?" I mean, even when I was getting fired, they kept calling it a brewery. It's, it's not a brewery. It's it's a distillery. So not even close to the same thing. But they didn't even want to take the time to try to learn what it is. Just, nope, you're fired. And, you know, I, you know, do I care? Not really. Um, I didn't really put up that much of a fight to the city for it. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's right. They, a city councilman can own a brewery in the city of Raleigh, but a policeman in the city of Raleigh can't own a distillery in the town of Clayton in Johnston County completely out of the county. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, that's dabbling into your personal life just a little too much. I call it, man, not keeping the black man down, not keeping the white man down. It's keeping the cop down, man. We're trying to make some extra income and, and yet they're, they're holding us down. They're pounding us, pounding us. But uh, listen, I was going to say that next. Where's your distillery at? You already told everyone and please uh, go out and support. Get your bottle of rum. You don't have to drink it. You can cook with it. Some of the best desserts are rum cakes. So and, and we're not sitting here promoting uh, drinking. What we're promoting is this gentleman, uh, Eric Tanzi, who has a well-established business. Uh, and and it, he brings a lot of people together. They have all kinds of different nights. You heard him say dog night. They have poke night. Just a way to socially uh, get involved because Clayton is on the move. But we're not here to talk about Clayton getting all the accolades because they should be paying us to say that on the show, man. But look, I want to talk about this next. Uh, so we moved on from, you know, you got fired, blindsided you. And I'm, and by the way, I'm not saying this because you're my boy. I totally agree with you. Uh, it wasn't a brewery. You weren't promoting alcohol. You weren't even uh, having people come in and take shots. You were having people come in and purchase. Uh, actually, you were putting them in stores. And so with the ABC um, license and things, all the regulations the state said you had to have. So... I believe it was a cop out as a way to get you out of there. They didn't want to be associated with having the cop who was uh, involved yeah. in that, you know. And so at the end of the day, uh, things worked out better. We're glad that you're not even um, hanging out there anymore, oh, yeah. you know. 
at the end of the day. Man, we got some, listen, man, we got some chats going on here. We got some chats, man. Listen, I, I, man, listen, when you blew this thing up on your channel, we getting people in. I see some brothers. I see one of my fellow deputies. I can't mention his name. He's actually serving in Wake County, but thank you for watching. We got I Am Pitts in the house. He says, I am here. I look forward to being on his show pretty soon, um, Eric. So uh, shout out to Pitts. Uh, he's going to come on here. We all just going to do exchange. I'm going to be on Eric's show. Eric wanted to get me on before me. Uh, coming on to him coming on to my show, I was able to flip it, you know, so I won. I got Eric here first, but Eric's coming. We got a guy named Drew Breezy. I'm not going to be giving everybody shout-outs, but I had to say that. Uh, he says, I'm in the house. What's up, guys? Thank y'all for watching. I'm sure everybody's going to come in later on down the road and watch it. Um, after the recording's done, usually how that live stream stuff works. But anyways, let's move on, man. We don't want to waste any time. I want to ask you this. Uh, why did you decide to just quit being a pig? So, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho, I got to back up. I, I usually give a title out of the show, Eric, man. You got me all jacked up today. The title of this show in Real Talk is Life After Being a Pig. Now, I'm not talking about your Smithfield's chicken and barbecue pig. I'm not talking about your uh, pool pork. I'm talking about a cop, a.k.a. the streets know us as pigs. That is your uh, verbiage for the urban talk. When they see a cop, they say a pig. They smell bacon, which we all love the smell of bacon, okay? But, Eric, your life after being a pig, you know, at the end of the day, you told us, but you didn't decide to quit. They told you you had to quit or be fired, right? Is that what went down? Yeah. You heard it. You, you heard it there. So tell us. Yeah, I mean, they gave me a chance. Gave you a chance to be uh, fired okay. or to to go ahead uh, and 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 leave on your own. But at the end of the day, you decided to take that distillery. But I want you to do something for me, man, because people are asking why in the world is he calling this show. Uh, Life After Pig. There's a little bit of uh, play on words here, and you'll find out in the end why I titled this show Life After Pig. But Eric, in your own words, being that you work in the Southeast Raleigh area in North Carolina as a white man, tell me what a pig to you means as a police officer. And tell the Real Talk podcast folks exactly what that is, man. Oh man, I, I just that's uh, just what we are, man. We're just uh, we're just a pig, and uh, yeah, the title of my book is called Pig Latin, uh, a serious but funny true story, or a seriously funny true story, um, and uh, and it came based off of a, a gang member that I had we had stopped for homicide, and uh, and the detectives were doing their thing, and I was sitting with them, and I just. You know, I said, hey, man, do you want to move over? I think I think there were some ants or something. I said, hey, man, do you want to move over so those ants can get on you? And he didn't want to talk. And I said, hey, man, do you need anything or whatever? And he still didn't want to talk. And I said, I said, look, I get it. You want to talk to me. But, like, you know, these are simple questions. I'm not trying to, like, get you to confess to any crimes or anything. And he was like, man, I don't speak pig Latin. <coughs> and I was like, I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. I said, dude, one day I'm going to write a fucking book. Oh, a freaking book. And, um. Uh, I'm gonna write a freaking book and I'm gonna title it Pig Latin on your behalf. Pig Latin on your behalf. And so, spoiler alert, it is out. This show, Life After Being a Pig, but Eric is writing an extraordinary book. I've already seen the artwork on the cover. It's awesome. It's all dedicated to pigs, pulled pork, 
bacon, uh, maple bacon, all, all types of bacon. No, seriously, it, it's about, you know, his stories of being a pig. It's speaking in pig Latin, so I think it's yeah, a so the, great the name. Book, Go ahead, bro. Yeah, the, the book is, is just, the book is just based on, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever read the book, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, um, but I read that book a long, long time ago when I was a very young police officer. I don't even know if I was a cop yet when I read that book. But um, I read that book, and then as I became a cop, I, I read the book again, because uh, it's just one of my favorite books. And I thought to myself, I said, dude, somebody should write I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell version of being a cop. And every cop that writes a book writes like these, which which there's a lot of great cop books out there too. I've read most of them. Uh, I Am Pitts is, uh, is a great book. Um, I keep giving my copies away. I get it, and then I read it, and then I give it away. Such a good book. Um, wow. And But, um, you know, there's another police book out there called The Job. But nobody had really written a book yet that was just like based on the uh, the irreverent side of being a cop, the funny stuff, and the comedy side of – being a rookie of, you know, losing foot chases or throwing a murder suspect's keys out into the woods because you don't want to give him a DUI only to find out that the car is stolen and he was wanted for murder out of South Carolina or um, accidentally tasing a female who's trying to kill herself in the vagina. Um, you know, nobody wants to tell those stories, you know, the, the stories that you get made fun of in the locker room. So this is just a, a book that starts from the day one of my career and it goes to the end and it's, it's a comedy. The whole thing is a comedy. I'm just making fun of myself and all this stupid stuff, you know, the first time I talked to gang members and how I screw that up. And, um, it's just a, it's a very humanizing book. It's, it's very funny. Of course, there's some like sad stories in there, but, uh, um, the books, uh, the book's doing really well. The manuscript went out. And so we have some really crazy meetings and some really crazy people. I've got it. But just to give you an example, Antoine, like the whole book from start to finish is supposed to be a comedy, but it's a true comedy. So, you know, instead of the special thanks to my wife and my kids whom I love very much, you know, my book says, yeah, um, dedicated to all my homies in Raleigh Central Prison. You boys earned it. <laughs> a special thanks to the homeless man at Martin and Camden who said those words to me that I'll never forget. Hookins, dealings, Donald Trump knows the truth. Donald Trump knows the truth. And then that's that's my opening. The biography of the book, you know, my biography just says C student, mediocre cop, passionate lover. Um, and then that's it. I mean, so from, from literally the minute you open the book to the end, it's just comedy and funny irreverence and, uh, and hopefully it'll humanize that. You know, I, I let one guy read it, um, who has nothing to do with police officers. He's, he has nothing to do with me. And, uh, he's a famous, uh, audio producer that's produced some, I don't want to say any, any, uh, I don't want to give anything away because he and I are still like under contract, but, um, he actually he just got done recording at Mel Gibson's mansion. I'll give you that much because I don't think anybody else knows that. But um, you know he's very left leaning guy, very very liberal leaning guy. And and I had him read the book, the manuscript, to possibly do the audio book for me because he's so good at doing those things. And he called back and he was like, "Dude, I don't even think I should do the audio book." Like he's like, "Have you sent this to a publishing house yet? Like this might be like the craziest book I've ever read." And he's done great. Like he's done he's done like Sting's book. Um, so I was like, no, no. And then, so he kind of really got the ball rolling with getting the manuscript into bigger people's hands to read the book. And now it's just kind of tumbleweeded into this book that's literally being taken over. Um, we got a big meeting with a publishing house in eight days, um, which normally take about a year to two years to get to, to get a meeting with. And, and we have a meeting with them in a week. So, 
I think that Bulk is going to do a lot, whether you want to be a cop, whether you hate cops, or whether you really are a cop. Uh, this book is really going to change the game. In a, in a time when, like, there's a lot of debate on whether we should defund the police and everything, or you should support the police, this book just adds fuel to both those fires. Like, I think a lot of people will be like, holy shit, this is what it's like being a cop. Like, I didn't know. And then other people are going to be like, I, you know, it's it's just an eye-opening book. It doesn't really take a side. It does. There's no politics. I don't go scorched earth on anyone. Um, I just humanize the badge. I tell you how dumb I was and, and all the stupid mistakes that I made and and how I just got lucky, lucky through my career. But I think it's just, it's just an entertaining cop book. And right now we're hoping it'll be a, a cop book that makes it on the New York times bestseller list, um, in 2023. So I, you know, that, that wasn't the goal, but it looks like that's the goal now. And so, uh, we're really working towards to, to towards getting this book, uh, on the New York times bestseller list. I know it will be, man. That's why I said it earlier and you were a man of faith as well. Never know what God's taking you when you're humble, when you have a uh, vision, you listen to him, things blow up that, that are beyond your imagination. But I will say, man, that book, uh, the cover is going to captivate folks. When they see the cover of that page, they're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be tuned in. Like, what in the world is going on? And I guarantee you, man, that book's going to do well. I'm looking forward to reading the book. I can't wait to get a copy. Pitts, got to get my copy of the book, man. And, and, and listen, we all support each other. The make things bigger and grow. So I'm excited about the journey and where my friends go, I go. Where I go, my friends go. I'm looking forward to everybody just uh, fulfilling their full potential and the sky's the limit. I'm not here to do the motivational speaking thing, but I mean, I have to just pause and stop and just say that uh, the ride that you're on, the journey you're on, nobody else puts you there, but God, I know you know that. Keep thriving, keep striving, my friend. Uh, now, We've already sort of talked about what your wife told you. She says, listen, and you know what? By the way, I'm not married yet, um, Eric. I have a very serious girlfriend. However, uh, it is great. Uh, you know, the Bible speaks about having a uh, help meet, which is the wife, because she is the person that um, pushes us. And I believe it. You tell me if I'm wrong. If your wife wouldn't have told you to get up, stop pouting, be a man, basically what she told you, when I come back, I'm going to bring these groceries in. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to blow the horn. You're going to come out and get the groceries, and I need you to have a game plan. And by the time she got home, you had a game plan, man. Do you think you would have had a game plan if your wife wouldn't have kicked you in the rear and told you to get up, you know, get rid of your tears, put them in a bottle, drink them, and shut up, and let's go? Would it have happened? You think you would have moved? Can you hear me pretty well there, Eric? No, I definitely. I would have done it. My wife is the most amazing. Like, I have the best wife on earth. Huh? What's that? Oh, I think there's a lag going on there. I think we have a lag there, but we're good. My internet's kind of going in and out. You, you're, you're good. Okay. Well, let me know when you come back in, and we'll okay. just. Can you hear me now? Oh. Um, Okay, so my, uh, yeah, I, I'd say, like, I'd probably, like, yeah, I got you. So, I, I would just say that, like, uh, my wife is probably, the like, one of the greatest people on earth. Definitely the greatest woman on earth. But, um, yeah, I mean, man, like, with my book and everything, she's she's the one that's, you know, the book wouldn't even be my book without her. Um, it was just words on paper. And she read it and she was like, we've got to make this thing a dream come true. We've got to make this book happen. 
And I was like, dude, it's not that. It's it's just like a comedy that I wrote for my own sanity. Um, and she was like, no, we, we're going to, we need to make this a real thing. And so over the course of four years, man, we just kept adding chapters and she kept forcing me to get my ass out of bed early in the morning and typing. And I mean, even today she was up and out of bed at, at, at 5.45 in the morning and still working on the book. I mean, we've been working on this book for four years. It's been done. And now that it's going in front of a, a major publisher in the next seven days, I mean, we're still up at six in the morning, still putting three and four hours into into making sure this book is just absolutely perfect. Um, I, I mean, from the first chapter to the end, there is not one chapter that that's lagging or boring or lets up. I mean, it's been the, the, the strategy that we put into this book to just make it pure entertainment. I mean, it's four years. If I do something, I always try to do it as best as I can. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of the book. Uh, I'm really proud of my wife for what she's put into the book. Um, and, and I just can't wait to see what happens. Man, sky's the limit. Shout out to your wife, Miss Tansy. Awesome job. Uh, we're actually going to be moving into your family real quick, man. We got a few more minutes. We don't want to keep um, the folks too long. And I know you have a busy, busy lifestyle. And again, appreciate you for coming on. But when you look at the podcast show, okay, Failure to Stop, where in the world do you think that is headed? What direction? How far you want to take it? Where do you want to take it? Do you know where you want to take it? I, I never thought in a thousand years that I would be on a podcast that has 1.8 million downloads. Like that to me, it just seems obnoxious. Um, it's crazy that we go to these meetups all around the country. I mean, I did one in Austin and, and, and going through the airport Somebody was like, yo, you're Eric Tansy from Failure to Stop. And I was like, what? You know, it's, you know, we went down to Tampa and there was a bunch of cops that, um, you know, we were in Austin, Texas again. And um, there was a whole table of Austin cops that came just to hear, to hear my part of, uh, of a live show. And um, it's just really crazy. I never thought that would happen. I don't know where the podcast is going. I know that Drew Breezy's kind of um, take, you know, Mike the cop is definitely the leader. He's the Leonardo of the of the group. Um, I'm more of the Michelangelo. Um, definitely our producer uh, Elijah is Raphael. But now we, it's like we have a fourth kind of a Donatello, if you will, and that's Drew Breezy. And then we have an April O'Neil, who's Andrea Uplate. So it's like we really have like this full squad of Ninja Turtles. And I have no <laughs> idea what kind of ass kicking it's going to take place now. Like. It just seems like the it was just Mike and I, and then it just kind of has evolved over the year and a half into this whole cast and crew um, that's all bringing something amazing to the table, and the show just gets better and better and better, and um, I, I really don't know. I'm just going to keep going and giving it as much as I can um, until the season's over, which is in January, so we're under contract until January, and we'll just see what happens in January. See where the sky takes you to the fair to stop uh, family, Drew Breezy. We thank you for being with us, man, um, here listening. That that means a lot. And Mike, of course, uh, man, who would ever thought? And, and, and really speak on that really quick, Eric. Mike the Cop, I remember watching him very brief on Facebook, being an overweight guy who started his fitness journey, shrieked down, bucked up. And the guy is like a well-known, I think he pretty much, would you say, and tell me if I'm wrong, he put the cops on the map as it pertains to social media. Now you see cops riding police cars, doing TikTok challenges and things like that. What do you think? Is Mike to credit for all this or what? I mean, Mike was definitely the first viral cop, I think, ever. Um, And it started off on Vine. 
it was like him and Officer Daniels um, were the like the only two, um, and then Angry Cops came later, and then but you know he was the OG, like he mentored Donut Operator, he mentored um, or not mentored, but like inspired all those guys, you know Brandon Tatum's and all those. But Mike the Cop was first, and um, Mike is a very like he's very uh, he, he's a lot like myself. He's just older, but um, you know he sticks to his morals and his ethics. Uh, we've been I've been in this industry now for two years and I've been on two major podcasts blogging to a network and you know, it's easy, dude. It's easy to lose your morals and your ethics. Um, uh, it's easy to, you know, everybody's kind of a liar and cheater. Like everybody's trying to sell you on something. Everybody's trying to put your name on a piece of paper and that could go away at any minute. And you just, you know, really kind of just feel owned and used by a lot of people. And there's not a lot of people that genuinely care about you. They only care about getting you to sign a contract and they'll do whatever it takes to get you on that contract. So they'll butter you up. They'll talk to you. And there just wasn't a lot of people that are very honest with you. It's not that they lie, I guess. It's just that they don't, they're just not very transparent. And Mike is the only one I can say out of all of the people I've worked with. Mike's the only one that's just, you always know what he's thinking because he's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. So there's no, there's no like question of what his intent is or what his goal is or motivation is and anything that he does. And that's refreshing. Sometimes it can be annoying um, <laughs> because he's very headstrong, but yeah. I would rather know exactly what somebody's intent is than working with a bunch of people who are just trying to manipulate their intent. Does that make sense? Makes a whole lot of sense, man. And I can tell you this uh, podcast I took off from last year, Real Talk, the idea came to me. I had people within Blexit Movement watching Brandon Tatum as the co-founder and being around him a little bit, uh, once, usually once per year, but watching the Brandon Tatum, Officer Tatum show, how it took off and he tells his story. I pretty much can read you his story. I've heard it many times. Great story, being an Arizona police officer. Now he's a big public figure, you know, good friends of Donald Trump and all this stuff. But you never, again, that same deal, you never know what God's taking you on the journey. But uh, to sum it all up, man, you know, I've had several offers and the deal is I'm not here to just become famous or just to spit something out. This is a real show that it, uh, God gave it to me to birth it. And it's not easy just to throw it in somebody's hands. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely get where right. you're going with it, man. So many people are trying to come in the pot. They're waiting for you to get you know all your ingredients in the pot, get it boiling. And, and then they say, well, look, let me put the cover on it for you. Let that thing steam down. See, I'm getting my color in mind. Steam down to something great, you know, then lift the lid. And then they want to take out and eat from the pot, but it's like, hey man, I'm the one that cut up all those wonderful ingredients to make this soup. So I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm guarding the Real Talk Show very carefully, and it's a small little, uh, uh, um, I'm gonna say, piece of dough. Okay, right now, and it's it's going in the oven very slowly. You know, again, I'm going back in my culinary mind. I'm not even a good baker, but I'm gonna portray to be one here for a moment, Eric. Cause I'm showing off, you know, you get that, that, that mixture in there, make that yeast, get everything going. You know, you let it sit for a day and it starts rising. That's where I'm at, man. Right now, the real talk is in the rising stages, but, um, thank you for shedding light on that. But look, I don't want to end the day yet. I had a chance to, uh, meet your, uh, awesome little mini me's. Okay. 
awesome little mini me's. They I don't even know how they have blonde hair. Your wife or you don't have blonde hair, but these are very yeah, I don't cool know who guys. I slept with. Like they look like me, but they have blonde hair. So I don't I don't know who I slept with. Dude, you got some explaining to do, man. Your wife's just so cool. She hadn't really dropped it on you. She's gonna do it. Trust me. She's gonna be asking those questions. She's gonna figure it out. She's gonna She's figure gonna, it out, man. Who'd you sleep with to make all these kids blonde? <laughs> but you got three great guys. No, the um, funny thing is. The, the funny thing is the one uh, so we do we did a home birth with this last child our fourth child but um every child that we've always had like the nurse or whatever be like oh do you guys want to know the sex of the baby and I'm like sure I'd rather know the race but if all you have is the sex hey. then we have it and they're always like they <laughs> like, don't know if they can laugh or not but, that's I'd rather know the race than the sex I, I want to know what I'm working with hey you, you gotta know if they're gonna be able to end this having an Asian baby you, you might just do it man you might just do it, but the whole deal uh, of the day, we know that the ones you got, and you have a little girl now. So what do you have? The, there's a two, three boys and one girl, or is it two boys and one girl? I forget. Yeah, three boys and a girl. Three, three boys and a girl. <laughs> three boys and, and a They're girl. Awesome. And, and what we didn't talk about, but we ending, um, and so I want to bring it in. Believe it or not, you know you haven't really seen Eric in person yet, but as some of you and everybody that has and you know him personally, you know he's a former skateboarder. Actually, he's still skateboards here now, I'm guessing, Eric. But you got three amazing little boys who's carrying the mantle. Okay, tell us a little about these amazing guys. I saw something you put on Facebook, I think it was yesterday, and congratulations to your little boys, man. These guys are getting ready to hit the skate world very hard. Tell us about that, man. Yeah, they're doing great. So they're nine years old. Um, uh, the other one just turned eight this weekend. It was his birthday. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's seven for the most of the story. And um, and then my four-year-old, who just turned five this week as well. So, um, but they uh, they are sponsored now, officially sponsored skaters. They're sponsored by Yoka Hair Skateboards um, out of Chino, California. And so they're also sponsored by Rip Pack. And um, if you, Rip Pack is a, toothbrushing a waterless toothbrushing system made by a veteran but it's great to keep in your cop car and you can use the promo code tansy that supports my my kids but yeah they're they're sponsored skaters man they're world ranked um skateboarders even at nine years old i mean my nine-year-old pulled off a huge uh 360 melon grab air on a vertical wall today which um i think i posted that post and in 20 minutes it was up to thirty-eight thousand wow views so they're they're incredible man but uh they're you know they're homeschool kids and they put so much time and energy into skateboarding it's it's really phenomenal man just watching them i'm just inspired i was at the park for like four hours today and it's just uh it's cool to see it man it's it's really cool it's a you know i i'm not sure why i (laughs) why i'm on the journey that i am or or what but uh it sure is fun man let me tell you, man, you got your hand in a lot of things. You're balancing it out. And uh, I got to just add it because this is a police show. Police officers, we have to be a great multitaskers. So you've been able to take that away from police and apply it to your daily life. And it's all what we say, good, all good, bro. We have come down to the end of this great show. I've enjoyed it. We can stay up here much longer and talk about great things. You pretty much laid out your endeavors that you have on the horizon. And there's things you haven't even touch yet that you're doing. I wish you great success. Of course, I'll be right there watching. Uh, We have been made lifetime brothers now, and I'm excited to uh, have met you and know your brother, and I look forward to uh, great things from us. But before I leave, because I'll have the last parting words, I want you to uh, just have your few seconds or moments or minutes 
of parting words to the wonderful Real Talk family. By the way, man, they're very hospitable. So you can, you know, tell us anything. You know, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna go with you. Okay, can you say what? I've lost you in the stream because it looks like my internet took a crap. What did you want me to say? I wanted you to have some last parting words, man. We're getting ready to wrap up and head on out. Is there anything you oh. want to leave here on Real Talk? Oh, man, I have, to, I have to have parting words. Man, that's what we do on Real Talk, bro. Uh, I guess if I had to This have, is a deep show. If I had to have parting words, I would I would say everybody Wang Chung tonight. Wang Chung tonight. Okay. Is that a special? Is that a lunch special? I mean, what's going on? Is that an entree? Or what's... No, that's a song, you know. Uh, it's a song. It's an old... I really appreciate Eric Tanzi coming on the show today. We had a wonderful time. It was a great time. He has a new book that is coming out soon to a bookstore near you entitled Pig Latin. Eric is the owner of Instill Distillery right here in Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, he's doing great things and I'm excited that he would take the time out to be on the show. As I always say, at the end of every episode of the show, you need to reach one and teach one. Please stay tuned for the next episode of Real Talk with Officer Antoine Thomas. I am your host. And God, please, as you always see fit, continue to bless our country. Continue to bless the listeners of Real Talk Podcast. And of course, Lord, please bless the men and women that are serving in our armed forces. And if you would, God, please bless the men and women who are serving in blue. Until the next episode, until the next time on season four, Real Talk, next episode would obviously be episode three. I look forward to it. I got some more special guests that'll be coming on and I'm looking forward to it. We're going to get back more to this uh, campaign that we have running for the Wake County Sheriff's seat here in North Carolina. So we're going to be doing good things. Got Sheriff Dunning coming back on. Sheriff Dunning Harrison coming back on the show with me. Going to be bringing on uh, Brother Dexter Pitts. I am Pitts. He's going to be coming on the show. I have a lot of great guests for you in season four. Until then, God bless you. Stay tuned. Thank you.